Ever wonder who the founder of Hinduism was? Or when Jesus was really born? In each episode of this weekly series, Pathios will answer common questions from across the spectrum of major religions. It's our hope that we both broaden your knowledge and spur you on to keep digging, to keep asking questions, and to foster a greater sense of curiosity about the world's beliefs. Welcome to Answers by Pathios. Despite the staggering diversity of Christian belief and practice in our world today, it has been universally accepted across time, denomination, culture, and location that the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth is fundamental to the faith. For centuries, however, going all the way back to the earliest days of the movement, Christians have wondered, why did Jesus have to die? And what does his crucifixion mean? Today, we will look at what Christians believe about Jesus, what led to his crucifixion, and what different traditions believe about how his death was necessary to save the world. Let's start with an overview about the figure Christians believe to be the Son of God. Who is Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is unquestionably the greatest teacher the world has ever known and the most recognized figure in human history. The Bible tells us, And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he had taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Jesus was the greatest help to mankind the world has ever known, and yet he was misunderstood, persecuted, and finally crucified. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said to the Apostle Peter, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The Roman Catholic Church has a strong tradition that Jesus founded the church and appointed Peter its first leader. On the other hand, the Eastern Orthodox and Protestant traditions do not agree that Peter had any greater authority than Paul or the other apostles. Although it's not entirely clear from the historian's perspective that Jesus intended to found a new religion, it is clear that the new religion was ultimately founded in Jesus' life and teachings. This would not have happened if his grieving followers had not become persuaded of the reality of Jesus' resurrection. Belief in the resurrection was central to the faith of the early Christians. The Apostle Paul wrote in his first letter to the Corinthians, If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Jesus was executed around the year 30 CE, and according to the Acts of the Apostles, the Pentecost happened seven weeks later. Ultimately, Jesus is the fulfillment of God's will as revealed in the Old Testament and the Lord of the Church. While Jesus is arguably the most famous person in human history, he was also hated by many of his contemporaries. Let's dive into why the religious leaders of his day felt threatened by Jesus and ultimately wanted him dead. Why did the Jewish leadership want Jesus crucified? 
While Christians often speak of the Jews as having killed Jesus, it's important to note that it was predominantly the Jewish leadership of Jesus' day which sought his death. As the Gospel of John notes, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Similarly, in the 4th century pseudographic Acts of Pilate, we read, Now, as the governor Pilate looked around on the multitudes of the Jews standing around, he saw many of the Jews weeping and said, Not all the multitude wished that he should be put to death. So it was the leadership and not the general populace of Jews who sought Jesus' life. So what exactly did the leadership have against him? Well, they believed Jesus was guilty of blasphemy for making himself God and for claiming to be the Son of God. They believed he blasphemously made himself equal with God, in part by forgiving sins, something only God could do. They were also upset at Jesus because of what they perceived as a lack of obedience to the law of Moses or to the Pharisaical additions to the law. They found offensive that a rabbi or teacher of the Jews should keep sinful company, as they perceived Jesus did, by associating with tax collectors and prostitutes. When Jesus said, Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up, the leadership saw that as a direct threat to their religion. Though John tells us Jesus was not speaking of destroying Herod's temple, but the temple of his body, Jesus' miracles were seen as a challenge to the authority of the Jewish leadership, particularly since they couldn't imitate those miracles. Thus they called them and him demonic. Finally, the conversion of Jews to Jesus and his message made the heads of the Jewish faith furious with Christ. For these and similar reasons, the Jewish Sanhedrin brought to pass the death of Jesus. Now that we know why many of the Jewish leaders wanted Jesus to be crucified, let's dig a little deeper. Surely, if Jesus was God in the flesh, as Christians believe, he could have resisted the powers that be and avoided death, right? Let's end by exploring some of the different viewpoints Christians have about why Jesus' death was necessary, what it means, and what it has to do with the salvation of the world. Why do Christians think Jesus needed to be crucified? Though Christians generally agree that Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead are the most important central doctrines of Christianity, nevertheless, not all agree as to why Jesus needed to die. There are several atonement theories which offer alternate doctrinal reasons for Jesus' horrific death. The Christus Victor theory states that Jesus' atonement was enacted as a victory over evil, sin, and the devil. It is a defeat of the powers of wickedness which exist in the world. The ransom theory holds that our sins have sold our souls to Satan. Christ, through his death, paid our ransom or bought our souls back from the devil. The satisfaction theory claims that our sins knock out of balance the divine scales of justice. Sin is an injustice that puts things out of balance. Christ died to restore that justice, thereby balancing the divine scales. The penal substitution theory teaches that sins have penalties attached to them. Someone must pay the price for the wrongs committed. Since we can't pay the price ourselves, Jesus stood in as our substitute or surrogate, suffering in our stead and meeting the demands of justice. The governmental theory is an extension of the penal substitution theory. 
It claims that Jesus died in our place to satisfy God's wrath, but unlike the penal substitution theory, Christ didn't suffer the exact punishment we deserve. Rather, his death pays in a general way for sin. The moral influence theory is that Jesus's life and death set an example for humanity, an example of self-sacrifice and love that we must embrace and follow if we hope to be redeemed. The scapegoat theory claims that when some risk appears in society, people single out a person or group as a scapegoat and then banish or kill them so as to restore society's well-being. On the cross, Jesus was humankind's scapegoat, and yet he was innocent. Thus, his atonement teaches us to break the cycle of accusing others who are innocent or less guilty than we want them to be. His atonement is instructive, exposing our sinful ways rather than paying some price for sin. The divine experience theory asserts that Jesus is equipped through his atonement to succor us in our sins, weakness, and even infirmities because he experienced them during his passion and therefore understands sinners when he was never himself a sinner. The various theories are not mutually exclusive, and some Christians hold that Jesus died for each of these reasons, while others embrace only one or a few of the theories. But each in its own right seeks to explain why Christ had to die for God's fallen creations. Thank you for listening to this episode of Answers. To learn more about the world's religions, please visit patheos.com today. This has been a production of the Patheos Podcast Network. If you're enjoying this series, consider checking out one of our other podcast offerings from Patheos like From Sin to Saint. Some people might point to his anti-Nazi activism as the key thing for them. I mean, I'm, I'm compelled by that, but I think it's his theological and ethical underpinnings of his choices that really resonate for me. This willingness to die for his beliefs has inspired both religious commitment and religious violence. There were a couple of high-profile murders of abortion doctors and bombings of, of abortion providers in which the people who were convicted of the crimes identified Bonhoeffer as their inspiration. In this four-part historical exploration of the life and legacy of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, join creator and host Josh Lash as he sits down with experts and walks us through the intriguing and complex life of this revered German theologian and martyr. You can find From Sin to Saint and our entire podcast catalog on patheos.com or on your favorite podcast app. Check the show notes for helpful links and more information.